What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of No BS Finance. Today, we are going to dive into a very specific type of investment called options. You've probably heard of these when you maybe you've signed on with a company or you've heard someone that has signed on with a company that was like, hey, I got my salary plus I got stock options. So we're going to kind of dive into what those are and if you should use them. Um, On top of that, I'm going to be giving some updates on the latest news stories that are kind of going on and also some updates on news stories that I've covered in the past and just kind of following up and closing the loop on some of those. Before we get into that, let's get into some admin stuff as always. This podcast is solely for informational purposes and is not meant as investment advice. My email, my Instagram, they're in the show notes if you want to ask any questions or you have any real life scenarios you want me to cover on the podcast or if I made a mistake and you're like, hey, it's actually this and I will clarify on the next podcast if you prove me wrong. Um, If you're interested on more of a one-on-one consult about your personal finances, shoot me an email. Um, I'm happy to help out in any way. Other than that, let's kick off this episode on options and a little bit of a news update. So as I just mentioned, before we get into options and everything like that, I wanted to kick this off by talking a little bit about the news. So let's start with a topic that we've talked about before, which is the old Rogers Shaw merger. And it has officially uh, been closed and is going ahead. It closed on April 3, 2023. So fuck, expect some higher phone bills. That's all I can say about that. Next up, an update on SVB and just the general banking system. So SVB, um, as we remember, was the bank, the big U.S. bank that kind of collapsed. And it's still fucked um, and is pretty much dead in the water. But people, and as I mentioned on the last, on that podcast, was people were worried about the general banking system. Um, Was there going to be a, like a ripple effect? Was everything going to collapse? Are we all fucked? Is the economy fucked? Um, no, it seems to be holding up all right. Um, for the most part, like people are still kind of worried and people are pretty worried about TD, funny enough, like TD, uh, Dominion Bank, um, the one, the big one in Canada, because they have a lot of big bond losses, just like SVB, but Canada has some really tight regulations and I think that they should be all right. Um, it is the most shorted stock or most shorted banking stock in the world right now. So that's a little bit troublesome, but I think they'll be all right. But just don't be surprised if you hear some questionable things about them in kind of the next little bit. Also on the topic of banks, FHSA was supposed to roll out April 1, but in classic bank fashion, they weren't ready. um, And none of them rolled it out April 1, I don't think. Um, A lot of them are trying to update their software, kind of trying to get it ready. Um, I think a lot of them have aims to have it ready by the first half of 2023. So depending on what bank you're with, I would just try and stay updated with it. They'll probably have um, emails that come out or stuff on their website when it when it's ready to go. So I would just be aware of that. Um, just overall news, the markets have been steadily rising um, or pretty, pretty stagnant, I guess, rising slash stagnant, not going down. So that's good. Um, but I would be on the lookout for higher price gas, unfortunately. As OPEC, basically the big oil cartel, said they were going to be cutting supply, which will cause gas prices to spike most likely. As if high inflation wasn't bad enough, we are about to get rehammered at the gas station too. Yippee. But in some positive news, if you're a crypto investor, Bitcoin is starting to rise again, so you may be cashing in. 
Um, and it's just going up generally due to the high interest rates and just general volatility in currencies and the financial conditions. So that's your news update. Um, now let's move on and let's talk about options. So let's talk about options. Also, disclosure, if you hear me pause for a while, it's because I'm drinking coffee um, and also probably thinking about what to say at the same time. But that's just, yeah, just general. So anyways, what are options? You might have heard of people saying things like, oh yeah, I signed a contract with this new company and I got stock options. And people lose their mind thinking it's like the best thing since sliced bread. And hey, in some scenarios, it fucking can be. It can be great. But let's not lose our heads here. Let's figure out what this actually means before we go and praise everybody who gets stock options with the company. So one definition of an option is, and I quote, a financial instrument that is based on the value of underlying securities such as stocks. But Nick, what does that even mean? Basically, we're just going to keep refining this definition. Basically, an option is a contract that offers the buyer the opportunity to buy or sell, depending on the type of contract, the underlying asset. But they are not required to buy or sell. So let's do that one more time. We'll get more refined, but one more time. Basically, an option is a contract that offers the buyer the opportunity to buy or sell the underlying asset. But they are not required to buy or sell. Still confused? I'd be surprised if you weren't. So let's dig even deeper. Options are financial derivatives. Derivatives are just a type of, uh, just a name for a type of investment. Uh, are financial derivatives that give buyers the right, but not the obligation to buy or sell an underlying asset at an agreed upon price and date. So still a large definition, but we're starting to get more refined. We're starting to get into it a bit more. So let's keep going. So essentially you, the buyer, have the right to buy or sell an underlying asset, aka a stock. Uh, yeah, we're only going to be talking about stock options, by the way. So you, the buyer, have the right to buy or sell an underlying asset at a set price, at a set date, but you aren't obligated to do so. I feel like we're getting more refined here, but let's break it out again and in really small steps. Because I know for me, it took me a long time to understand options. And now that I get them, I'm like, I don't know how I didn't understand them before. So essentially, you can buy what is called an option contract. The contract can either be for a call option or a put option. So a call option gives you the option to buy the stock, meaning you are betting on a stock price going up. So thinking about Think about the stock episode when we talked about going long on a stock. So you expect it to go up. That is this essentially, I guess in theory, the same thing as a call option. You're betting on it going up because it gives you the option to buy the stock. A put option, on the other hand, gives you the option to sell the stock. Think about shorting a stock, meaning you are betting on the stock price going down. So as I just said, just think about the difference between longing a stock and shorting a stock. So... You go to get an option contract and you decide what type of option you want. You decide whether you want to be like, hey, I think this, this is going to go up, so I'm going to buy a call option. Or, hey, I'm not feeling great about the stock price. I'm not feeling good about this share. Um, I think it's going to go down. I'm going to buy a put option. So 
The next major thing in the contract is what is called the strike price. So this will be the price that you can either buy or sell the stock at. So it's basically defined in the contract. It's, it's an agreed upon price in the contract that you can buy or sell the stock. Simple enough. The next big thing is the expiry date. So when does the contract expire? That's pretty much all it is. And inside of that, between the time that you sign the contract and that expiry date, you can do what is called exercise or uh, exercise is the best word I can think of is you can like, I don't know, take action on the contract or like cash it in kind of thing. So you, what is called exercise, that's what they call in options is you will exercise the contract. So between now and the expiry date, anytime between then when you see the stock price at a good price, you can be like, hey, I'm, I want to exercise this contract and I want to call it in. So then another big thing is the cost of the contract because option contracts will generally have a premium on top of them because there's a chance for good returns and also you have someone who is basically writing this contract who needs to get paid out. So it's basically like a fee. So those are the big definitions. Now let's revisit the definition that we gave above with a bit more information. So an option gives the buyer, yourself, the right to buy or sell, call or put, an underlying asset, the stock, at a set price, the strike price, and at a set date, the expiration date. But you aren't required to exercise the option. So let's go through it. It gives you the right to buy or sell the uh, sorry, let's go again. I'm looking at way too many things right now. So an option gives you the right to buy or sell the stock at a set price at a set date. It's pretty much all it is. We went through some definitions, but that in my mind is the most clear definition right there. You aren't required to exercise this option though. You can let it expire and you can just soak the fee if the price does not go the way you think it's going to go. So there's not a whole lot of risk because if it doesn't go the way you want to go, you're not out a bunch of money. You didn't buy, you didn't buy the stock. You bought a contract. So all you're paying is the fees right now. So if it, if you bet on it to go up and it goes down and you go, Oh fuck, like that sucks. At least you didn't buy the stock. You only paid the contract and all you have to do is let it expire. So if it's $2 a contract and they always come in like hundreds usually. Uh, so $2 a contract, you're out. Fuck. I don't know. 200 bucks. Let's, let's just call it that. You're out 200 bucks is what it is. But if you bought the stock, you might've been in a, in a worse position. The final thing to note, oh, I think I already noted this, is that the option contracts usually represent a hundred shares of the underlying security because that just generally makes it way more worth it for the writer, AKA the seller of the contract. Um, because if it was smaller, if you did it for like one share, they'd be like, why the fuck am I even writing? This is kind of dumb. It'd be like, They'd make like a dollar. So it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. But hopefully we've kind of gotten to the bottom of what an option is and how it kind of works. So I'm hoping that makes sense. But if it doesn't, then that's okay because we are about to crush a couple of examples to make it clear. So we're going to run through two examples right now. Um, one is going to be a call option. One is going to be a put option. So let's do example one, which is going to be a call option. Let's say that shares of Caterpillar, CAT, or like the big construction company, you guys have probably all seen it, they're yellow, they're big, all that kind of thing. So let's say that shares of Caterpillar trade at $220 a share. 
you believe the value of these shares are going to increase. You're feeling bullish. You're like, yeah, it's going to crush. It's going to reach like 300 bucks. Like we're going to crush it. You decide, hey, I'm going to buy a call option to benefit from an increase in the stock price. You purchase one call option with a strike price of $235 for two months in the future for $2 per contract or per stock. So right now it's trading at $220 a share and you're buying a call option with a strike price of $235 a share for two months from now. So that means that within those two months, you think that the value of the shares is going to go above $235 a share. And each one costs $2. So right now, your total cash exposure is $200 because you're doing it at, it's a fee per basically underlying asset. So 100, so you're, so it's 100 shares, let's say you buy, and it's $2 a contract, so 200 bucks. So let's say 200 bucks is your cash exposure. Not bad, pretty good. So let's say that the stock raises to $250 in one month. So pretty good. Your option is now worth $15 because you could exercise the option to acquire the stock at $235. So stock's at $250 and you could acquire it at $235 and then immediately sell at $250, if that makes sense. So stock's at $250 you could technically buy it at 235 and then immediately sell at 250. But the profit on each one would be $13 because you have that $15 of capital gain, let's call it 250 minus 235, and then you have a $2 fee, which is the $2 per um, stock. So you're looking at a profit on each option of $13. But your net profit, because it's 100 shares, would be $1,300 because you got $13 capital gain minus the $2 fee times 100. So you paid $2 for a $15 increase, which is technically a 650% return. Really good. Whereas if you bought the stock, it would have only been a 14% return, 220 to 250, but you probably would have made a bit more money, but you're also, you also had a lot more risk in there because if the stock went down, you would have been fucked and you might've been out a lot more than just your $200 cash exposure that you had with the option. Um, so if you bought a bunch of options at this price, you would be making a ton of money because each contract only cost you $2. And as I just mentioned, if the stock went the other way, you would just choose not to exercise the option and you would only be out about 200 bucks as, as I mentioned, because like you, you never bought the stock. You only paid the fee. So technically you're only out that 200 bucks. And I mean, it sucks, but at the end of the day, like you didn't lose a ton of money, which it might've been if you actually bought the stock and then had a big capital loss. Um, also if the two months went by and you forgot about it, then the contract would expire and it wouldn't be exercisable. So um, in there, you can also choose. So in that two-month span, like you can forget about it. You can keep super close tabs on it. 
and you can choose to exercise the option anywhere in that two months. So if it raised to 250 like we used before, you could be like, hey, I think it's going to raise more in the next month. And then you could wait until the end of the contract and maybe it goes to 270, but maybe it comes back down to 225 and then you're like, fuck, like I missed my chance. So there's investing is always an interesting game. So, but that's an example of a call option right there. So let's get into an example of a put option. So let's give that same example, except now you believe that the share price is going to fall. So share price, 220 bucks. That's Caterpillar right now. Now you believe the share price is going to fall. So you go and buy a put option with a strike price of $210 for only one month in the future for $2 a contract. So same cash exposure, 200 bucks. Let's say that the stock price falls to $207 and it is the last day you can possibly exercise the contract. Do you do it? Well, yeah, you would. Although you wouldn't make a lot of money, but you'd still make some. Because if you exercise the option to sell the stock at 210 and then buy it back at 207, less the fee of $2 a contract, you are left with $1 per contract profit because that's, yeah, because you had the $3 um, gain minus the $2. So $1, you times it by 100 because you have 100 stocks and you get $100 net profit. So it's not a huge gain, but you could see how these fees kind of add up a bit. And you can see how with a put option, when you exercise it, you choose to sell the stock originally. So you sell it at a higher price and then you buy it back at a lower price, therefore resulting in that $3 gain. Then you get the fees on top and then you're left with a $1 profit, $1 times hundred stocks. So now if the price of the stock was $208 or $209, would you still exercise both of these? Um, you would actually, yeah, yeah, you would, both of these you would exercise because although you wouldn't make money, it would still minimize your losses, um, that you had due to the fee. So at like 209 bucks, instead of a $2 cash exposure, you'd only have a $1 per contract exposure. So as opposed to losing out on 200 bucks, you'd only lose out on hundred bucks. If at 208, your net profit would be zero, that kind of thing. If that makes sense. So those are a couple of examples, and I'm hoping that it's starting to become clear on how you can make money using options. So after all that, the most important thing is how can these options work for you? This was a very technical podcast, and I'm hoping that we kind of understand options now. So let's get into how they can work for you. So let's start with what we talked about at the top of the episode, which is when a company gives you stock options. And these are always call options and not puts for obvious reasons, Um, because it is meant to motivate you to do really well for the company and like absolutely crush it. So then the share price goes up. And then because the better the stock does, the more your options are worth. Like imagine being with Apple or Tesla or Amazon when they were starting up and getting stock options. My God, you'd be fucking balling right now. Like you'd be living in, I don't know, California. You'd be living in Malibu, looking over the ocean, surfing every day, never having to worry about another thing in your life. So 
That's one of the main ones that I want people to understand when they say they're getting stock options from a company. Like, yes, it can be really, really good. But the only way you'll realize it is if the company does really well, which you may or may not have control of. So when someone is like, oh, I'm signing on as, I don't know, I'm going to rip, or this isn't ripping accountants. When they're like, oh, I'm signing on as like a junior accountant to this company, the startup company, and the, and I got stock options. And I'm like, you better hope that your teammates or your coworkers are really fucking smart and really want to crush it for this company. Because no offense, man, you're not going to be the one moving the needle here on the share price. You're a junior accountant. Let's be real. So not, not trying to rip accountants anyway. Like they do a valuable job and stuff like that. But they're not going to be the ones moving the needle on... Um, a share price. So, so yeah, it, it can be really good, but they can also be pretty much worthless if they expire or the share price never gets to a good number. And you also have to look at it and be like, Hey, like when should I exercise these things? Like say the share price does go over it by a meaningful amount and you're like, Oh, I think it's going to keep going up. And then it goes down tough. Like then you're out that money. So like I bet a lot of people that started at Apple or Tesla sold out pretty early, didn't expect their shares to be worth, I don't know, 400, 500, a thousand dollars a share. So yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely an interesting thing. Um, and it can be, and it can be really good. So the next way they can work for you is as a straight investing strategy. Um, something as easy as, or something just like buying stocks or buying bonds or buying GICs or something. And it got even easier in the last two weeks because now Wealthsimple offers options trading at $2 a fee per contract. And options trading does have some big benefits. You don't have a lot of exposure or like cash exposure. if um, So if the stock price never rises high enough or doesn't go low enough or so you can just choose not to exercise and you lose the fee you paid. And if it does go past that strike price, then you make a really good return on each one. The difficult thing is finding a good strike price that you think could actually happen. Um, so it's like if you had a if you had shares that were like, I don't know, five bucks a share, and the writer of the contract is like, oh, I'll give you ten bucks a share as the strike price, and you're like, what the fuck? You mean this? You want the share price to double before I can even buy it? I'd be like, nah, like give me like seven bucks. Cause like something that low, like you just have to be able, if you, if you see something that doesn't even remotely make sense to you and just seems unbelievable, like way too high, way too low, then you're just like, come on, man. Like I'm not going to go for this option. Like at a certain point, you just have to use like a little bit of common sense or not even that. Just look at like how much. Um, percentage wise, the stock would have to go up or down for that to make sense. And look at the historical data on the stock and be like, Hey, like, has it ever moved that much? Like, does this actually make sense? So it's, it's a lot of speculation. Like it's a lot of speculation. It can be very risky, but at the same time, you don't have a massive, massive cash exposure. So I think that's a, a really good thing. Um, I personally haven't traded options before. But now that they're on Well Simple, I'll probably give it a go um, and report back any findings to this podcast because I kind of just use you guys as a sounding board. Um, I'm actually really 
really excited to, to give it a go. Um, never done it and might as well do it with, um, some extra cash and just see what happens. So could be fun. Um, but options trading is overall, it's, it's just a good thing to know about, especially if you have some in a current company or you ever get offered them. Cause then you could be like, Hey, like, um, I don't know about this strike price. Like how about the expiry date? Like, do we actually think this is possible? And maybe you're in a role that really could impact the share price. Fuck man, these stock options could be really, really motivating for you to drive that share price up. Um, and if you're feeling up to it, you can dabble with these options in your own investing. Um, there's only a little bit of exposure with the fees. So if you have a little bit of extra cash and you're like, hey, like most of my investments are pretty secure, ETS, mutual funds, all that kind of jazz that we've talked about. And you're like, hey, I got some extra cash. I'm gonna give options a go. Then fuck yeah, give them a go and let me know how it goes. So that's gonna wrap up today's podcast. A um, lot of stuff covered. We talked about the news. We talked about what options are, how they work. We went through some examples, how they could work for you. So a lot of stuff. Um, but let's just cover some key stuff. They options give you the right, but not the obligation to buy or sell an asset. Um, you can see some really good returns through them and are a big motivator to drive a stock price up at a company you work at. AKA when I say drive a stock price up, I just mean like it'll motivate you to work really hard basically. And the only drawback, I guess, is the fees. Um, and you just have to be aware of like how much you're paying per contract. Um, so that's, that's probably the main one that I would, I would think of there. Um, yeah, so that, those are the key takeaways. Um, I really hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. I, I hope you guys were able to follow most of it and understand how options work. Um, but if you have any questions about them, shoot me an email. So shoot me a message on Instagram. Cause I bet if you have the question then a bunch of other people do, and I'm happy to follow up on a later podcast and kind of talk about it there. Um, as always, if you want something more personalized and custom suited to you, shoot me an email. We can set something up regarding your own finances. So thanks again, everyone. And I hope you have a great day. We will see you next week.